0: This is iFanboy Booksplode Cosmic Odyssey. Welcome to iFanboy Booksplode My name is Connor Kilpatrick And this is my co-host Josh Flanagan Hey there And we are discussing Cosmic Odyssey In our Booksplode show Our Booksplode is our bi-monthly Graphic novel review show It is unlocked by the patrons at patreon.com iFanboy Thanks for being a patron Thanks for unlocking the show We enjoy doing these And this is the uh, collected edition Of the 1988-89 miniseries From Jim Starlin, Mike Mignola Carlos Garzon, and Steve Oliff.
1: I just I want to say excellent pronunciation of names there. I thought read right all the way across. Thank you. You had some tough ones, and you killed it.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, John Workman.
0: You can't forget John, John Workman oh. letters.
1: You know what? As soon as you said it, I was looking at the book, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's totally Workman. Because that's the kind of comic book reader I am now. <laughs> so uh, this was a deluxe miniseries. It was 448-page it was prestige. Oh, the prestige ones from... Like the late 80s, early 90s prestige ones with the square yeah. back and the sort of shiny cardstock cover? Yes. Ah. Oh.
0: And, and obviously this is a spoiler warning. This is a review show. I own this, you know, the original collection the, with the, the black cover where they're all um, sort of jumping from the planets. There's a new deluxe edition that's out now that you can get. It's got a blue cover with dark side standing in the middle. But I definitely bought this as a kid. You know, it came out in 80, 89. We were in middle school. I can't remember if I bought the deluxe issues or went right for the trade when I was young, you know, like a 13-year-old. But I definitely read it as a kid. I don't have any real reason why. I think it's because, you know, there's a bunch of characters I love on the cover. And so I was like, oh, I don't know what this is, and I bought
1: it. All right, so, and you can describe what the thing is in a second, and I think we should. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Basically, Cosmic Odyssey, it's all in the title. Yeah. there's a cosmic odyssey. On this version, just putting dark side on the cover is a mistake by the way. You want to <laughs> see all those people on the cover so you know what you're in for. Right. So when you say it's all all the you know, I'm going to say who's there uh and then you, and and you like, oh, I was excited about that one." So we So got, this is the original cover. We're talking about
0: the original cover, not the blue yeah, one. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, but also just in describing what the story is it's this sure. Cosmic Odyssey mm-hmm. and you've got Dark Side is obviously involved. You've got Starfire. And, wait, is that right? Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I was I was, thinking, I was like, did I just say Firestar? <laughs> A light ray, yep. Martian Manhunter, Orion, Etrigan the Demon, Batman, Superman, John Stewart, Green Lantern, mm-hmm. and I kept wanting to call him Ambush Bug, but he's not. He's actually Forager, Forager, and the High Father and Metro. So it's, you know, super po- after the the days of superpowers toys. Yes, like you knew who these guys were.
0: Yeah. So first of all, I mean, you got Batman, Superman, who I loved obviously, sure. and at that point, big fan of the K- Giffen Demetrius Justice League. So loved John Jones. Uh, loved Starfire from the Teen Titans run. Uh, John Stewart I knew as you know Green I preferred Hal Jordan, but I you know I knew John Stewart. And then f- exactly from the t- the Superpowers line of toys, I knew Darkseid. Mm-hmm. Um They didn't have any of these other characters as toys, but I knew who the New Gods were from that you know sort of mm-hmm. in, you know that whole world. And so I thought, well, that's cool. I don't I don't know what this story is. And I, I, these characters are all people I like for the most part. So let's check it out. And it's a book I re- you know. Something you do as a kid you don't really have to do as an adult. I probably read this story like a hundred times as a kid, just over and over. You know, you have Really? This, well yeah, you don't you know, as a thirteen well, year old I don't have a ton of books and I had the same Sure, and the and same think, six shades and I probably read you know, I read uh, Dark Knight Returns like a hundred times. I read The Cosmic Odyssey a hundred times. All the stuff right. I had in collector's Edition, I read. And when I, and I say
1: really like that, what I wonder then is as you went back and read it now, was it very familiar or did it like unlock memories that you kind of had, had lost track of? Well, it's interesting. So
0: having read it a hundred times as a kid, I don't know the last time I did actually read it. Right. But it's it's definitely been more than a decade for sure. Um. So it the story was... Familiar. I mean, I knew the the framework of the story. I remember the framework of the story. I remember the big beats, like what happens to John Stewart. But there were some details I'd forgotten. I knew. I remember Forger died, and I remember Batman punching Orion. I remember all that. But I, I did have sort of elemental memories of the art, mm-hmm. the Mike Mignola art, because as a kid, it definitely would have been very different
1: from what I was used to.
0: Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. I remember liking it. But not
1: being sure why so that's interesting. I, I think that, as a younger reader back then, I might have been this might have been too far afield for me. In fact, I can even say that as a guy when you, you bought me this book, this book that I'm holding in my hands mm-hmm. at some point, like a long time ago, but certainly when we were doing our fanboy because yep. I was an adult, and we've been doing that my entire adult <laughs> life and And I don't know that I knew who Mignola was, and if I knew who he was i didn't I hadn't appreciated him yet and and then and then further. You know, when I look at this now, I say, oh, Mignola clearly has some Kirby in him.
0: Okay, so this is a perfect segue. So before we get into the story, I want to briefly talk about the art. The the art's going to come up throughout the whole discussion, I assume. But I just, about a week ago, went to a screening of the Mike Mignola documentary that was kickstarted, Mike Mignola Drawing Monsters, The Secret Origin of Hellboy. Very well done documentary. I was surprised. It was very, very well done. I didn't know anything about Mike Magnuola, really. Also, that's exact, that's how you pronounce his name. I don't know anything about him, really. I mean, we've never interviewed him. On purpose. He doesn't do a ton of press. So like I didn't know his story at all. So that part was interesting. However, the reason why I'm bringing it up is because you know he's going through his career. He started off as an inker. He moved to he moved to New York after art that. school. And he started off as an inker. He was not a good inker. Mm-hmm but he got some opportunities to draw some books because they were just pumping out so many books in the early eighties. And you saw his, his early art on the documentary is not what you, what you expect. It was him trying to draw in a Marvel style. Right. He moved back home to California and he was like despondent. He's like, I don't, I don't think I'm good at comic drawing. And somehow they didn't really say how he got given this gig to draw this um, miniseries with Jim Starlin. Oh, so this is the one, this is the, and he said, this was the thing that unlocked his art style. No kidding. It's not exactly what you see now in Hellboy. No, but but it's you can a tell bridge, him. and so he he basically he said he said he spent a year drawing this. It's a lot of pages, like two hundred pages. He so he said for a year I had all these Kirby drawings tacked up on my artboard because the you know the whole, the whole book involves the New Gods, but like staring at the art for a year sort of unlocked the idea in his brain that he could draw characters exaggerated. He could draw things, you know, strangely. It didn't have to fit into a specific house style. Huh. It's sort of staring at Kirby art and working on these Kirby characters really sort of unlocked his inner style. And you can see this is sort of a transition in Mignola from like sort of a standard comic book artist to what he does now. It's it's very much in the middle. There's some of it here, you know, very shadow heavy, drawing characters in, in silhouette a lot. But this was the book he said that really unlocked it for him, his style. So this, this is very important for Mike Mignola's career, this book. So anyway... The story of Cosmic Odyssey is that uh, there's a little bit of of anti-life gobbledygook, which I don't. I'm fine with. You know, I don't ever fully wrap my head around anti-life equation and what it means or what it I, does.
1: I think though, I've come to understand that in the terms of this, like anti-life, I just go, "Oh, it's Kirby," which mm-hmm. is same as cosmic rays. Like it doesn't fucking matter. Right. And as long as you go with that, if you you Grant Morrison. Uh, you know, that, you just go, fine, whatever, it's the anti-life, then it's just this sort of weird concept. The the longer I, the older I get, the more I go on, the more I think the anti-life equation is hilarious. It's great. There's a little, like, prologue where there's
0: an attempted invasion from Darkseid into Earth, and it gets repelled by Superman and Light Ray, and uh, one one lonely um, parademon gets stuck uh, in Gotham, and he becomes important later. And so what happens is Metron... Uh, of course, in the quest for ultimate knowledge, ended up, you know, making a huge mistake with the anti-life equation, which sort of broke a barrier into another dimension, and now this creature who was infused with the anti-life equation, and tell me, you tell me if I'm wrong because I've read this a hundred times, but I'm still not hundred yeah, no, percent sure. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty good. This creature who was infused with the anti-life equation is going to invade in, into our dimension, and and it's going to basically destroy it. He sent out these creatures and these with these probe bomb things to four planets throughout the Milky Way
1: galaxy. It's, it's there, his aspects. They're like these big yeah. gooey slices of anti-life, right. which is the most GI Joe animated series thing. Oh, I've it's totally like the,
0: the, sometimes. the GI Joe thing. So they need a team of heroes to go to the four planets to stop the bombs from going off because if two of the bombs explode, uh, the Milky Way will collapse it on itself. That's mm-hmm. all you need to know. I'm sure if it, I'm sure it passes all scientific muster. So, after briefly seeing Batman in a fedora and trench coat in a disguise, oh, while well, he's doing a out, which was hilarious, um, <laughs> everyone gets summoned to new Genesis. And so it's Superman and Batman and John Jones and Starfire and John Stewart. And plus, plus Jason blood, they get summoned to New Genesis and they have to team. Everyone has to team up with a new God. So it's like pairs of of human or not humans, but earth heroes and new gods go off to fight these, uh, aspects and stop the bomb from going off. That's the basic premise of the of the book. What what jumped out at me right away reading this as more of a f- seasoned adult reader is how so it's writer Jim Starlin who's written a lot of great books, books we've talked
1: about here I mean, on the show. created at least in part Marvel Cosmic.
0: Yeah. Uh, how sort of off-kilter the script is in in conjunction with the art like it's a much kind of Everyone's kind of a dick to each other, mm-hmm. and Superman has a very dis- distinct personality from what you're used to. It's just—it's it just, sort of like a DC through a weird lens, not an unrecognizable lens,
1: but it's just a little bit off. I'm trying to remember. Did Starlin do much DC? I—I it I with Marvel in my head, so I can't tell if he really had much of a standing there. Good question. I don't. I can't think of any like when I think of Jim Starlin, like you see Captain Marvel, you see. You know, did he do Superman for
0: At, a while? Yeah, I mean he did a fair amount of DC. He did uh Adam Strange, Adventure of Superman, Batman, Batman the Cult, okay. Countdown to Final Crisis, he's But that's not his like Death his signature. The Death of the New Gods miniseries, Detective Comics, mm-hmm. Flash.
1: He's basically, I mean, he's not not as much as Marvel, but he's definitely right. done some. Okay. Which which is totally what would happen. It's fine. So it's it's interesting. So that like he comes in here at this point and does that, and it's weird that they give this you know the prestige series. There's, you know the, the issues are expensive. That it, it yeah. matters. It's got all their main characters, and they give it to this unknown guy who can't quite make it. That's weird.
0: It's interesting. Yeah, I, I, they they really glossed over how it came to be, um, mm-hmm. and I just, I mean, I'd be really curious to know how exactly this came to be because clearly. Mm-hmm. I mean, did Starlin not request him? But why would he do that? Because, the you know, the art wasn't there before. Right. And it was very interesting. But what you get here, and what comes through in that documentary is, I mean, Yolo really just loves to draw monsters and robots. Oh, yeah. And so this book is full of monsters and robots.
1: Yeah, like Kirby Tech and, you know, like all that. Yeah.
0: So you, you get the classic, you know, hero with a strange partner, and they go off to stop these things from happening. So... It's John Jones and John Stewart. They're the ones that don't get partnered with a new god for some reason. And then it's Superman and Orion. It's Light Ray and Starfire, and it's Batman and Forager, uh, who go off to back to Earth to stop that bomb. And so they all have to, they all have their little adventures, and that's you get to sort of segment it off. What's interesting is I guess this is technically well, I was going to say it's in continuity because the. The stuff that happens to Jon Stewart here still re- resonates in his story. Uh, yeah, and story.
1: definitely going to touch on that. It doesn't yeah. really
0: fit continuity. It doesn't, that doesn't matter. None of it matters. So you got Earth, uh, Ron, Thanagar, and Zanshi. And uh, those are the planets that are, that are involved. So that, that allows Hawkmen to show up. That allows Adam Strange to show up. Batman enlists a, a mystery hero. And I remember specifically being so excited for who that mystery character was going to be, mm-hmm. who, which they spoil... On the the cover of the fourth issue, before we see who it is, it's Doctor Fate, and I was very excited. You about love Doctor Fate. I love Doctor Fate. It's more of a tour through the DC world than you expect right away. Then the demon comes involved through Jason Blood, and it's. So, what did you think, having
1: read this? again? So, a couple of things. Right away, like I said, you gave it to me a long time ago. I want to say mid twenties. So I've had this book for a really long time oh, yeah, yeah, and I, I hadn't heard of it. I, I wouldn't say like I was, I knew who Mike Mignola was, but I hadn't read Hellboy, nor had it come to the point where I sort of appreciated that off kilter thing that he does. I didn't even know the new gods very well, if I'm mm-hmm. honest, you know, like I, you know, so I, I looked and I was like, I right, know Batman and superhero man are here. I know that's a green lantern. It's probably the first John Stewart story I actually read. read. Mm-hmm. Um, I only knew Orion from uh, JLA uh, right. from Grant Morrison's justice league. And I gotta say, like the first time I read it, it didn't really make much of an impact on me. Sure. And so going, you said let's read it again, and I just went, all right, it's fine. My instinct was just like, oh, you know, whatever. And and then as I started, I was looking at the elements of it, and I was like, oh no, this is made for you right now. <laughs> and that's that's kind of what I got out of it. I mean, on the show, we talk about good old fashioned or good old superhero comics a lot. The Gosh system, mm. and and there was a ton of it. This was like reading. Like, I'm really glad that we had read that New Gods for the show. We watched Jack Kirby's original New Gods because I didn't have context for any of this New Gods stuff. And I think that it's going to make no sense if you don't know the basic story. It's not hard, but having history on it makes it all change a little bit different. Like, now, like, I love the New Gods as a story. I love how it is just slightly askew, but it is part of the DC universe. Oh, like, I love it. They're, they're, right? they're, I think they're an integral part. In the, and yeah. the, whenever they're not around, it's a problem, I think, for DC. No, I, I agree with you. But, you know, like, I just didn't know it well enough to appreciate it. So, like, the fact that at the very beginning of this, Darkseid steps out of the shadows, and he's on their side.
0: Yeah, oh, that's, that's the twist, is he needs their help. He's the one who calls it right together.
1: You know, he is definitely scheming, you know, to, wants to gain the power at the end. But there's not, like, a big twist. That he's been, you know. That yeah, he's I mean, been, he
0: clearly has his own agenda. He tries to steal the power from himself from the right. bad guy, and it doesn't work. But, but he, at he the end of the day,
1: he yeah. he still is one of the people who saves the universe for it. Like he's not, he doesn't have a big turn in that yep. way. Dark side, gonna dark side, but you know, he, they don't have to defeat him. He just gets his plan foiled by Doctor Fate, and he's right. like, oh, and they're just like, oh, Dark Side. But they still use him to finish it, and they're weird yep. flying. Uh, pentagram thing, <laughs> um, which is hilarious Wait, wait still right. talking about dark side though
0: that intro sequence is terrific storytelling where you know it's revealed to the heroes that Darkseid, and you know they're all they're all hanging out on the Eden of New Genesis with High Father and Orion and lightray and and then in, in, off camera, it was my idea and dark side reverse shot over Superman's shoulder, reverse again over Dark side, shoulder Superman jumping at him, page turn. Superman just flying backwards. Was, um, great body language from Mignola. It's this, this just a great sequence of, uh, you know, you don't see any of the action. It all happens off wow, panel. Wow, that
1: is awesome. And it's on the page turn, too. Yeah. That is really good. It's funny to go like, I didn't have it. Well, this is his first issue. You clearly had something. Like, he's a great... I mean, I think the, the thing would be this, is that he's a great storyteller, but his style took a little while to dial in, is my guess. And yeah. you know, if one doesn't work... It's like, actually, that shot... Of Superman flying over their heads, actually, and Superman is so like stylistically muscled and shaped, but it works. And then I really like all the tiny head and shoulders looking <laughs> up at them, and he's just far enough up that it's comical,
0: right? Yeah.
1: I mean, he's just been hit. He's been hit yes. and f- off the ground. He's flying through the and, air. And, and Darkside is a—he's a barrel. Mm-hmm. He's a barrel with legs, and I like that. Because it makes him seem more alien. And so when they just make him into a big The Rock-looking dude, it's fine. But when you see him actually like this bell head and this (laughs) barrel-shaped body, it's, you know, I mean, obviously that brings the Kirby out of it. And this is, you can take any shot of Kirby, um, I'm sorry, of Darkseid in this, and you can then look at Kirby's New Gods and be like, yep, that's the the guy. You know, like he's doing straight out of New Gods style uh, uh, Darkseid.
0: Yeah, it's... He, he described himself in the documentary as the big lips, tiny feet guy. And you can, yeah. see,
1: you can start to see that in here. And so you know, the longer I went through it, I, I was enjoying it. This, this was not a difficult read. No. And it was so big and expansive and fun. And it really was a like, I don't know why events or big team ups don't feel like this anymore. It's weird. Because, but this is so simple. It's just like, it's, it's not like, I, I didn't go, man, this plot and setup is amazing. It's not the point. Like, you don't have to do it that way. And, you know, the thing they say, okay, we'll split up into teams that make no sense and we'll each go somewhere. <laughs> Great. Do that. That's super fun. Put two guys in a room. What is it going to be like for Orion and Superman to be together? Right. Totally diametrically opposite in worldview. What is the personal conflict that's going to happen between Jon Stewart and John Jones? And amping up the... It works in the gosh system. It's difficult in other... Uh, you know, media, but, um, you know, Jon Stewart is overly brash and confident. And you're like, well, we see what his hubris is going to be. And what's really interesting is that I've never, I had never read the thing that made Jon Stewart into who he is now, that he destroyed the, the Zanchi. And I'm reading this. I was like, wait, this is where it happened. Yep. I was really surprised about that. It's, it's, it's very analogous to Barbara
0: Gordon being, being uh, paralyzed in killing joke. Like it's just this side, prestige book that is is there is an incontinuity and they brought it over they brought the thing over to the main book so yeah, but
1: that's his like that's his uncle uncle ben gwen stacy moment that's like this is the defining moment for that character who i never really understood and then i was like i was really surprised that that was the thing that happened in this book that that really took me uh by surprise and the thing that happens let's just talk about it is is so goshy and awesome
0: like yeah I love the yellow impurity in the ring. Is it stupid? Yes. Does it make any
1: sense? No. But is it cool? Also, yes. I really I gotta say the only way that it works is that for some reason the Green Lantern has to forget about it every time. <laughs> like they get there and they're like, nah I got all the power, it's fine. And they get there, they go, fuck the yellow thing again. It gets me every time. Like well, that's think... I mean, they build it up and if
0: you know it's coming, it's pretty heavy handed and I, don't, I, don't know, you, I mean you'd probably have heavy handed no matter what. So the whole time uh, it, it, ha- it happens about 45% per- I'm looking at my book it's 45% of the way through the story is when we, the reveal happens but the whole time Jon Stewart's being very arrogant about his ring like he's got the
1: greatest power mm-hmm. in the universe on his finger No worry and, about it we're fine and in my uh, mind by the way we haven't had the yellow impurity in a long time so I am not thinking about it right so he's like he's even like
0: dismissing John Jones he's like I don't need your help why don't you go back over there I'll take care of this I remember I got the power the most powerful thing in the universe on my finger yada 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 and he, he shows up to find the bomb And the page turn reveal is the the bomb. This giant bomb is yellow, and the look on his face—it's just like, oh fuck! Four, three, two, one—the bomb explodes. The planet dies. A billion people are dead. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it it was just—it's—it's a combination of something very serious and sad that happens in conjunction with this very silver agey DC concept, which I still love. um, That the ring can't work on yellow things, which is silly, but Mm -hmm. you know why not? So this is where you you get—you know—and he's utterly destroyed after this. He's yes. just. He's has he's, been.
1: He's yeah,
0: and um, including the ending where the very fucked up. I remember this as a kid being like, "Oh shit!" Like where he's contemplating suicide. He holds a gun up to his for- temple, and uh, great use of colors in that sequence where we sort of, sort of the background colors mirrors his emotion.
1: It's a yellow gun. That's funny.
0: As he gets more upset, more upset, more upset. It 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 uh, goes from blue to pink to orange to red. Back to orange, back to pink. So it sort of goes. He, he peeks like he's mm. gonna pull the trigger, and then he, then he doesn't. And then John Jones is watching him. Says, "Well, you're gonna do it." Like it was, it was a very, mm-hmm. very, you know, harrowing
1: sequence. And also, like that, those two pages specifically. The one only there's only one word. You know, ring. Mm-hmm. That page and the next page, they don't look like. Those, I don't see. Those don't look like normal comic book pages. Right. Like, the, the, like, the panels are really bulky. We're pushed in really far. It looks like indie comics. It's very out yeah. of place. Uh, it has a different pacing and sort of composition. And then, of course, there's the, there's the, you know, John Jones was pushed aside, and that's sort of why it happened. I think the other thing was interesting, too, is that I never really knew the story, in that Jon Stewart didn't really do it. He just failed to prevent it. Right, his, his arrogance failed thing. to prevent it. Yeah. Right, but I had always thought that like he made some mistake and did it himself in my mind because of the way that he looks at it. Now he's a military man; he's trying to be a hero, whatever. He's going to take it on as his responsibility. It is in part, but he didn't do it. No, he didn't. He he didn't murder those people. What he did was he he
0: got really um, blasé about the rescue because yeah. he hit because of the ring so he really let it go to the very end and then it was like oh shit it's the one thing I, well,
1: it, I which is the other it. interesting thing is that now since I've only read the character after this like now he doesn't fuck around like right. he's he's military he's disciplined he's is he military he is right yes, he's in the military marine. um you know but it's just like a different version of that that character like it's the older wiser soldier who's like you wouldn't believe the things I've seen and so now he's very uh Stiff, you know, and yep. and it's interesting how we always say there's no change, but like this thing happened in comics and it changed the character for good.
0: Yeah, that storyline is probably the high point in terms of you know what happens, the, the 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 importance of what happens, how it affects the characters, all that stuff. I like all these all these stories are interesting. Yeah, Superman and and, and Orion, yeah, uh, being at loggerheads about. Orion wants to, you know, l- use lethal force on these Thanagarians who are all under the mind control of the, of the um, aspect. But Superman says no; they're just they're, they're victims too. But then, this, sort of similar, this is probably the second most tragic thing that happens. Yeah. Is that when Superman is is on his own fighting the aspect to defeat it, he sends he sends um, uh, Orion to be a, to be a distraction to the Thanagarians. And when he yeah. when he comes out after having defeated the aspect, uh, all the
1: Thanagarians are dead. And it's a. Gr- it's really shocking and yeah. I, I i mean again this is all melodramatic when i say shocking it's not like it's not war and peace right. but it, like it comes out is a, there's a great big panel It's dark you know and superman has the what the fuck you know right. he just thought i told him let's not kill anybody i thought i'd be clear about it and and orion and i you know I, that's this is the great part about orion and and it's weird because i was introduced to him by grant morrison's justice league and so I only think of him in that context. I think of him in that context first. Yeah. But like this version of it's Darkseid's kid, but he's raised by the new guy and he's just all things at once. It's a really interesting character. It should not be overused at all. Like he should and barely if, show up.
0: If you look at the panels, uh, so that we, have the, we have the double page spread of Superman being like, what the fuck on the, the Vista of dead bodies? And then the next two pages, yeah, the next two pages until until Superman clocks him, uh, every panel is interspersed with the dead body. Mm-hmm. so it's like body confrontation body why'd you do this body you know explanation superman close up close up of body even closer close up of, close up of body even closer even closer superman and then the punch so it's like they keep interspersing the what it is that is going through superman's m- mind while this is happening
1: i think um one of the things that struck me and that i'm thinking about now as we talk about it is that every uh uh Every little team up, every little mission in here is as interesting as another one. Mm -hmm. So we talked at first, we're like, oh, the Stuart and John's thing, Jones, uh, you know, that's interesting. Then you go, yeah, but then you got Superman and and, and it's not just that it's interesting that they're together, but that the plot is actually interesting. Yes. So then you go over and you have um, Forger and Batman and they have a whole different thing going on there. Right. And they go and they meet, you know that they they bring back that that missing Parademon who's been around, which is a really fun little side thing. Then you've you've got the other story, which is uh, Starfire and um, Light Ray, Light Ray, you know, and and he's the he's the one who's like, no, I got this or whatever. Well, he's he's casually sexist. I mean, he's he's not sure. like it's not over the top.
0: It's not misogyny. It's just more like I got this. You you know, don't worry about it. Right. And but- she's she's actually is the one who defeats the aspect and has a plan for it and he's the one that almost messes the plan up by being casually sexist. But, she, she, and, but, also, but she's like, not she mad just, at us. She's just like, you know, I, I had right. this, it's fine.
1: She's like super competent and she's the one who gets to be the badass and save the day because she has the power and the know-how and whatever and I just, it gave her a really good moment in a way that wasn't overtly like, look at me, I'm a girl, I do awesome. She's just awesome. There's no, you don't need to say any of those other things. Um, there's, another, there's, a, there's a sequence I
0: love in this Starfire uh, Light Ray uh, story. It's page 119 on the digital reader. I don't know what it is on the, the paper one, but uh, it's when, towards the end, when Starfire has to, she has to save Light Ray and Adam Strange, who's been basically knocked out the entire time. <laughs> and so it starts with uh, on the top a giant Mignola mo- uh robot that's framed with the sort mm-hmm. of the rock rubble that it busts through. So it's inter- internal framing. And then we see the countdown on the machine at 95. And then we see Adam Strange's body in silhouette. We, her hand comes in from off panel, and then the next panel, it's empty. And then we see Light Ray slumped over. Her hand comes off off panel, and we see his feet, and then it's empty. It's just like all these quick off panel actions happening. Which,
1: which I think brings me to my general next point about this and Mike Mignola, is that Mike Mignola doesn't draw like this anymore. Right. Mike Mignola's stuff these days is very... Anymore. Well, I mean, when he does, though, it's very formulaic. It's a monster... It's a shadow. It's a facial reaction or whatever. There is some prime time storytelling going on in here. You'd mentioned it before with the Superman page, with, yep. the, with the the page where Superman and Darkseid meet. This page that you're talking about now, this storytelling is really dynamic and interesting and advanced. There's a bit at the end where the bomb is going to go off and the, the, the time is ticking down. This page oh, yes. is a long sequence at the yes. end. And it's, I'm not going to say so far as it's like experimental but it's it's advanced and it's interesting and it's like you could just do the thing regular, draw what's on the page, what happens. But there's all these stylistic storytelling choices, not his artistic style choices, but like the storytelling choices are really interesting. And it, you'd said like, I don't know how this came about, but I have to wonder if they started getting these pages in and were like – we should put this in a really nice format. Like this is more than we thought we were going to get. I'm hoping that it was recognized, you know, like as like, Oh, this is better than we planned on. So we have to make a big deal. Out well,
0: of it it must've been successful because it was collected in a time when not everything was collected. Yes. You know? So it, it, you would hope so that it was like, Oh shit. Like, uh, this is, this is a big deal because, you know, in the early nineties, hardly anything was actually collected into an issue. I'm trying to look, there was an issue of Batman: Legends of the Dark Knight that he in the in the in the movie he called his first Hellboy story. Oh, it was, was ninety three. It was after this, so really, you I, can I, take I, a straight like line from that. yeah from this <laughs> to Batman: Legends of the Dark Knight fifty four to Hellboy uh, is sort of his the the arc of his artistic growth and transformation. Because mm-hmm. um, if you look at that one, it's like it's really angular and shadowy, like like Hellboy is now, as opposed to this, which is so still still feels in this hybrid place between superhero and my Mignola. I mean, look at Darkseid's big toothy grins every, he, he just looks yeah. so weird and unsettling. Like it's much more,
1: I mean, I, I think that, I think it's one of those things like, it's not that he can't do it, but in Hellboy, that's not what he chooses to do. Cause he yeah, doesn't, he doesn't want you to. know, and we always, you know, I, I, he's my example of the guy. He can, he can tell a one page story. He can yep. use one page or two pages and beat anybody's pants off. In ter- terms of storytelling, like straight up forward, meat and potato storytelling. But in this thing, he's really flexing you and showing the stuff he can do, and I was really impressed by it. the The whole
0: Batman forger sequence is the one they really use the countdown clock to f- effect really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's not new; it's it's you know, tons of movies do, do this too. But like the, the bomb is ticking down, so every panel has the, t- the ticker in it, and uh, right.
1: But it's a way of taking that movie visual and putting it into the comic book form. But the choice that I thought was interesting is that. Most of the page is taken over by the countdown. It's very ominous. It's very like you are surrounded by that countdown. It's like a way of like making the volume really loud so you can't help but hear it or notice it. Because it's also really easy. Like another choice to do, if you're talking about comic book storytelling, another choice is to minimize that countdown. You've got it there. It's in every panel up in the corner, something like that. But in here, they blew that up to gargantuan proportions. And, and, and look, I know how this. In between the story things.
0: ends. I've read yeah. it a hundred times. But even, even this, then I was, in that story particularly, I felt the oppressive nature
1: of it. I was like, oh yeah. shit, they gotta hurry up. Our parents, are parademons always drawn that big? I mean, really they're like drawn the all kinds of different ways. I really like that scale of the parademon. Yeah, he's big. He's like, like eight feet know, tall. Yeah, or even more. It was like twice as high a size of a man. Like they also, big. like he's got his,
0: his he, got, he got, you know, shot in the chest early on, so he's got this giant hole in his <laughs> chest. His spine is still there. is pretty great. Which is creepy. I so, really uh, liked uh,
1: the parademon in this.
0: It was fun. In that f- sequence where Forger finally defeats him, who is, we, and we've seen Forger recently in some other New God stories. He's, of the lower caste in New Genesis, a place you wouldn't think had a caste right. system, but does. And so Orion looks down at him as a bug, calls him a bug, mm-hmm. where Forger jumps through the <laughs> <her> demon's soul <laughs> and <laughs> then and then hits him with his shield in the face. Like It was like, ugh. Um, but
1: he's not really a bug, though. He's one of the new gods who went to live with them. I mean, like, right? I don't know. E- either way, he's discriminated against by Sure, by I mean, it's Orion, one of those... It's one of those, uh, you know, it's a racial comment or whatever that, that uh, politics is supposed to say out of comics, but they've been there for se- 70 years. Anyway, um, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, this is one of those other things. Like you think about like, where did we learn how things should be? Like it was in comics. Right. As you said, it's not a super intricate plot. Like
0: it's basic. They, no. There's a threat. The heroes gather. They're split off in teams. Each team goes and fights their own individual threat. They come back at the end. There's a big threat. They defeat that everybody goes home except for forger cuz he's dead but it, the it's the course of the of the battle it's the character work that happens in each little team up it's the wonderfully off kilter early Mike mignola art um it's the strange sort of strange dc sensibilities which are recognizable as the 80s but also a little bit off it's all, it all works together in a piece i i did want to mention you know one of the things i really liked about mignola's stuff is, amongst many things is that he often gives the characters unusual body language. So, when they first gather at the White House, the, the Earth Heroes, the, that shot where we see everybody for the first time, Superman's leaning on like a mantle with his arm, with his elbow on it, his legs crossed. Like I've never seen Superman make that pose in my life. It's a very unusual. <laughs> like normally he'd be like standing front and center. Uh-huh. And he's just sort of like leaning in the, in against the wall on the back, like very casual. Like you expect Batman to be doing that more before Superman.
1: Um, yeah, and but he's comfortable there. Yeah, you know he's like chilling out. By the way, we hadn't mentioned like the the Jason Blood storyline. Oh yeah, which is which is also fantastic. Uh, it's it's old yes uh wizened jason blood who finally got rid of the demon and it sucked all his life and life force away but he's so happy to be rid of him and you know his choice that he has to make is like we can't save the universe unless you join with the demon again and the demon is like in this case the whole time and he's also old and withered yes and it. it i love the uh um, ambiguity of the demon yeah
0: he's he's a chaos agent
1: yeah but he like he he does the good things sometimes he does the right things sure. sometimes but there's this fear about him and he's evil in his soul but you know cuz we've seen him done as a hero you know we've seen him done sure. i don't know if i've ever seen him done as a straight up villain i don't think that's his deal but um and yeah. the, the i mean the final team up where they have, that has
0: to go you know into the other dimension and use cosmic forces to defeat the villain is uh, is uh, dark side and high father and the demon and dr fate and orion so it's a very that's a very unusual team as well it was just fun as you yeah. said, it was not a hard read. i read it pretty fast. It's 205 pages on the digital reader, so it's probably just under 200 pages of story. It's a lot but, to me. But,
1: it is, but, I mean, what is this? It's, I mean, that's 10 modern comic books. Right. But it didn't feel like... I mean, I I I was I was going out of my way to pick it up. Like, well, that's it, the it thing. Like,
0: if it's good, right? Mm-hmm. If there's something worthwhile about it, there's, there's no slog aspect of reading. You know? Like, sometimes when you're reading your weekly stack and not every comic is great. And sometimes they're just, you know, they're fine. You read five, six, seven, eight of those in a row. You're just like, ah, yeah. One more, just okay. Comic. And this is like, this was 200 solid pages and you just fly through them.
1: I think, uh, it's a, I mean, it's a different kind of thing for me and I can only put this into the context of my own experience. But if you are looking for a story where you are going to be blown away and impressed you know by the plotting or the dialogue or whatever in a way that a modern character is I don't think it's easy to grasp this way but if you are looking for the roots of really good comic book making and also just of like getting back down to the very basics of what made us love these kind of comics but in a very high level way like like not a showy way it's not it's like the opposite of John Cassidy in Warren Ellis period mhm it's it's like a roots rock and roll band that is just way better than I had the ability to appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's what made it so much fun is that, I don't know, you, you want to go, but you, you, hear that Mike Mignola is a master and you're so used to seeing what he does and you, and you, and I know what it is and I like it and it's great, but this is just like when he was still working it out and he had all these moves and I'm guessing just, just from being around a lot of artistic people, like he probably thinks there's way too much going on here. oh yeah no his whole thing was to remove lines yeah i I know but it it's great you you can look at you can do a darwin cook too if you look at uh if you look at the line art of new frontier versus the line art of you know what he was doing uh parker like it's a it's nine day oh
0: yeah his whole thing is as his career has moved on he's he's been removing lines from his work whereas like his buddy was arthur adams he lived they lived together in oakland that's crazy and uh they lived in, a, in the same apartment complex. On that all the time, but Arthur Arthur Adams' the whole thing is he puts more, more lines, more lines in the page. Mm-hmm. Whereas my whole thing was how many lines can I can remove, you know, in this drawing. So that's and and is, as
1: as I've gotten more and more, I mean, that's always been that's the way to go for me, right? But but here, I mean, it's, it'd be really interesting what it would have been like if he had continued in this direction. You know, they're like 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 Mazzucchelli kind of layouts and stuff,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, it's just not his interest level. Like, he, he really liked doing it. He really liked doing the Batman story because that was basically... He did Batman, like, in you know, fighting monsters and vampires mm-hmm. and stuff. And so then he's like, well, that's what I like. I like that more than I like Drunk Superman, so... You know
1: what he would have been great on? What? He would have been great on Daredevil. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, just a, a certain... Again, a certain kind of Daredevil story or whatever, not sort of on the street, but, like, I think of that 80s... And Nesenti, John Romita Jr. Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Like, it was all about Mephisto and everything. Like, it would have been really cool if he'd done, like, a. it's one of those questions people ask us all the time. Like, what would you like to see this person paired with that? And I could see, like, this Mike Mignola doing a Daredevil comic. It would be amazing.
0: Now, this digital copy I have of the Deluxe Edition has a bunch of, um, you know, pieces in the back, pinups. Yeah, I got none of that. And so, um, the Who's Who in the DC <laughs> Universe in the 90s was... A, was um, loose leaf style like it was in a binder yeah i've done ai did a i found by mini about it if you go back and look on our youtube page and the cosmic odyssey entry wasn't not drawn by mignola but it was drawn by simonson oh wow and there's, there's a kinship there that, uh, that's what i'm gonna say looking at these back to back is like i can scroll between that and the cosmic odyssey cover they're definitely of the same school yeah you know the same the same kind of style Mm-hmm. Simonson's more classic superhero, but they're very close in terms of at least where Mignola was at this point.
1: And I mean it's just one of those like they're both Kirby derived. Like you could I Yeah. Mean, you know, I i always think of Simonson as like the most Kirby uh successor. You know, like he was the one carrying that legacy with his own thing. But uh it's funny the trade, the very last page is the very last page of the story <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's nothing. Early days of the trade, nothing there. Well, this this trade that, that you got again. Uh, I was looking at the Indicia and it, it's uh, cover and compilation nineteen ninety two. You got it to me much a long time after that, right? But they never changed it. That's how they did it back then.
0: Yeah, I have that one in a closet somewhere. <laughs> I couldn't find it, so I had to download the the new one. It's somewhere in there.
1: I did. I gotta say, I did love reading it on paper and on like old uncoated newsprint paper. I was like, oh this yeah, feel, this feels right. You know. <laughs> The, co- the color is kind of, you know, it's just pre-digital. It's got some tone to it, which is probably another thing, that prestige format, because they didn't do that in everything. And what I did notice
0: from uh, the legendary John Workman is you can tell this is clearly done on the board because so many of the words are are cut off with hyphens. Uh-huh. It's something oh, can, yeah. And they, they, they can't they gotta... play with it in the computer. It's just like, oh, out of room.
1: Yep. And they, they have to... Change the where the bubbles are just in the shape of them are very irregular. Yeah, and uh, you'll get those bubbles that have like a lot of room at the bottom and the top because they have to be sort of vertical.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh
1: god, I, I love it. I this is, it's a thing that honestly you shouldn't you shouldn't put much thought into, and most people shouldn't uh, uh notice it. Yes, right. you know, but the like, but but noticing it, knowing like John Workman is this guy. I just, I just love it so much. Like he's got a style, and and it's not that I'm like, oh man, the way that he draws letters. It's the way that he does letters makes it feel like more of a comic book. It 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 has this yes. indelible quality of superhero comic bookiness that can't be from anything else. It can be from John Workman or. Um, Todd Klein. Yeah. You know, this, this, uh, Eliopoulos used to have it too, although everything now looks like Eliopoulos' style. So that's just what you think comic book letters
0: is. That's true. It's incredibly fun. I think if you're a Mignola fan and you haven't read this, this is definitely something to check out to see his progression. You can definitely see him in here. You know, it's a very classic DC story. It's a very goshy DC story. This is a 88 89. So we are, you know, just a few years beyond The Dark Knight. We're still in the sort of the, the tail end of where the Bronze Age ends and the modern age begins. This is yes. 10, 10 years, a little less than 10 years before Morrison takes over Justice League and, and changes things at DC. You know, this is a really interesting period. I will say it definitely
1: felt like a post-86 book. It it definitely felt, you know, like 80s goshy, but it did have a modern edge to it, I think. Death of Superman era kind of thing, maybe,
0: yeah, I mean, it's, it's still seven years before that, but it's definitely... Feels,
1: right, but I mean yeah. of that flavor. It's not, it's certainly not like so ahead of itself as like a post-crash kind of comic book. It, it lives in in the center there. Because of that, I think it ages pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like, when we say goshy, it's not like this is very silly. It isn't silly. Right. It's melodramatic, but it's not like, this is so goofy old comic books. stuff. It's not that kind. I, th- I think it holds up really well. Like having read that New God stuff, and going through, you know, like, if you like I mean, like early, Grant Morrison-era superhero stuff, I think you're really going to like this. Oh, yeah. This, to me, feels very of a piece with with Grant Morrison's Justice League. I I feel like they're from the same cloth, in a way.
0: So, interestingly enough, I looked up DC in 1988, and uh, 1988 was also the the year that The Killing Joke came out. Yeah. It was when Grant Morrison was on Animal Man, and when Hellblazer launched yeah, that's del- the sort del- of del- the
1: birth del- of of, uh, of Vertigo. Vertigo, yeah, as a style, and I mean that's a really fertile time for DC Comics. Action
0: Comics six hundred came out in nineteen eighty eight. Wow,
1: that gives you something to think about. If they're past a thousand now, yes. this was like the halfway point. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, it was a great time. It was a great time for DC. It was a great time for comics. You know, yeah, this was a lot of great stuff happening in that period where. Comics were figuring themselves out post-Watchmen and post-Dark Knight. It was how much more mature can we get? And it was a journey to get to the 2000s, you know. And
1: we're we're, we're overshot. And we're still correcting now. Although now is different because there doesn't have to be a mono style. You can sort of do whatever you want in the thing you're doing. But I think people still buy stuff that's more biased in that thing that makes them feel like it's mature.
0: This really is one of my favorites. It's, It's one of my favorite like, when people point to what's a great, like, self-contained DC Comics miniseries, I've always mentioned Cosmic Odyssey. I, I still think it should be animated. Like, you know, we, we always do those animated reviews. Yeah. And I, a long time ago, I did an article on iFamboy.com about the top 10 DC stories that should be, you know, animated in that, in that line of films. And I think this is one can, of them. I think it'd be a really I, fun. I can totally see that. Really fun film. It's a
1: self-contained story. I would say it's a good, like, recommendation story, but I feel like it has to be for, like, a comic book fan. Oh well, sure, I wouldn't go to my brother. I, 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 like I really I think that this is like if you like superhero comics, you know, and what that entails. It's a great. I'm sure this. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to our us who listen to our show, you know, and have been influenced or agree with sort of the way that we've been looking at superhero comics lately. I think this is a book for you right now.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know if, what I'm you, if you if you've come along, if you're not as old as we are, if you're if you're younger and you didn't really. You know, you think maybe the '80s comics aren't for you, but you know, there's there's a lot. But '86, '80s, you know, to to '90, there's a lot of good stuff in there, including this book, including Animal Man and Hellblazer, and and
1: and it's not like it's not like uh, it's not Bendis style dialogue at all, but it isn't like slogging through like a mid '80s comic book where it's way too much. uh,
0: No, there was um, there was only one part that jumped out at me where Starfire's narrating her actions, which I think it jumped out because it was so unusual in the book itself. You know, there's there's definitely thought balloons. I, I, I know I'm of the opinion that thought balloons have never gone away. They just they just moved into captions. It's the same, yes. same, the same thing would be in the thought balloon as it would in the caption. But there's only one part where she's like, what is this I'm holding? And I was like, ooh, that's weird because it hasn't been in the rest of the book. But mm-hmm. other than that, it feels very it feels I modern. I feel like,
1: I mean, Starlin's, he came out of the 70s. Like, he's kind of old school, so he had that tool if he needed it.
0: You know? Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, it, it still feels modern, even though there's instances... In it of sort of more
1: bronze agey stuff, but yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's,
0: like I said, it's not like reading a nineteen sixties
1: comic at all. No, at all. No. no. Like like when we read New Gods, like there's some goofy shit in that, and it was it was all the better for it. But this isn't like that. Yeah, like you could. I mean, that was the thing about reading New Gods. It was really great, but you could only do so much at a time. <laughs> like yeah. it took a little while to take it in, you know. Whereas this, you know, this is just just it was a breeze. So this was Cosmic Odyssey from DC Comics,
0: published in 1988. Well, the co- the series 88, 89, the collection was 92. Is that what you said The
1: Yeah. The 92. This this collection. The edition says it's 88. Well,
0: that's when the series came
1: out. Right. Uh, Jim Starlin, Mike
0: Mignola... Uh, I lost. I lost the cover.
1: Carlos Garzon uh, <laughs> on inks. A name I do not know, but man, a, a better inker I could not imagine for this. Uh, Steve Olaf on colors, and and Steve Olaf's a name that was around. I've not seen it more recently, yes. but it was a, it was around during my time for sure. And then you know the 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 one of the masters, John Workman. Uh, John Workman, if if you're if you're not sure, if you can picture um, Walt Simons and Thor in your head, that's John Workman letters. Some of my for favorite sure. comic book lettering. You know, it's funny these shows are not really meant to be review shows, mm-hmm. but we pick something that, you know, with it's supposed to be good, and we don't always know if it's going to be good. Like, if you go back and revisit something however much time later, but man, it seems like every time, I don't know if it's because we want to appreciate it, or just that all the greats are great for a reason, even if you've forgotten them, because I feel like we always come on here and we just rave about whatever the thing is. But it's kind of designed that way. I just love that it keeps working out. There's not like a, there hasn't been a book explode where we picked a book and we were really excited about it. I'm like, yeah, this, this is not good. I mean, I'm not, I'm not (laughs) against it. It just hasn't happened. No, it won't be as much, but that's what I mean. Like, I think it's fascinating that hasn't, that hasn't happened and it wouldn't be as much fun. Like, it's like, yeah, this is supposed to be a great, but here's why it doesn't work. It's so much more fun to be like, look at this stuff and be able to take all of the comic book learning that you've amassed and, and, uh, and apply it to a thing and just like get it. Like, you just, yep understand it it's awesome
0: so ratings on cosmic odyssey ratings out of five
1: i mean if i'm using the scale of what it is and what it was trying to be it's it's like a 4.75
0: yeah, I think I think I think in my head it's like a four and a half, four point five, which is not I mean, people are like, Well, not five. Like not everything's a five. This is a four. And I was a almost
1: half. five, but I was like, Well, let's let's be honest. But it gave me such a good feeling that it makes me want to say five. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: And the thing is, that's still a great rating.
1: Great rating. You know?
0: Four and a half is great. How many comics are four and a half? It's not many.
1: No. No, we shouldn't give out. Like you got to think hard about giving out a five.
0: Just give out fives willy nilly.
1: Come on. I mean, like, like, if The Watchmen and New Frontier are five, <laughs> right. then you can't give a lot of other things fives. Right. This
0: is a four and a half.
1: Yeah. It's a strong four and a half. It is worth your time. So there you
0: go. That's our book explode for the month Cosmic Odyssey. We'll be back in December. We don't know what we're going to come back with. We had a plan. That plan may have fallen apart on us, it might
1: be for the better. Might be considering what I just talked about. Right, that's what I was thinking. In my head as I, a, I, I do think when we think about this show, like there's a tempting, there's a temptation to do like, well, should we do a twelve issue thing? <laughs> thing, or a four issue thing, or a six issue thing? And twelve is tough. I think we've done a it. For, long... We've done it before. I know, but it, it it's it it can go badly or it can be harder. Like it, it, this story is just the right size to really enjoy it and be able to take it in as a story and be able to talk about it in, in a whole
0: but. Way. Like you said, this is the equivalent of 10 issues, so not, not that far from 12.
1: Didn't feel like it, though. No. You could have gone move. more. If you gave me another issue, I'd have been cool with it.
0: Yeah, so we'll be back in December. What, what With what, we don't know. We'll let you know before, as soon as we can, before we yeah. know what it is. On, is. We'll let you on the regular show so you can read along at home with us. Uh, In the meantime, this show is paired with the TalkSplode interview show, or sometimes a special edition show, depending on scheduling. Last time it was a special edition show. What will be in in November? I don't even know what month is anymore. We don't know. We'll let you know as soon as that happens as well.
1: Many pieces moving.
0: Many pieces. Many moving pieces. So, in the meantime, you can always listen to our Pick of the Week show every Sunday at fanboy.com, where Josh and I, and sometimes special guests, review the week's comics... We have, of course, the BookSplode, the TalkSplode. We have our monthly media Splode show. All those Splode shows were unlocked by the patrons at patreon.com slash ifanboy. Thanks you for being a patron. Thanks you, and you, and you. <laughs> it's hot, guys, guys and girls, and everyone else.
1: Not here it isn't. I know. It's, it's delightful. It it's New England fall right now, or as I call it, the best possible weather on the entire earth. Well, you
0: enjoy that, and I'll, I'll roast. And Until next time, I'm Connor.
1: I'm Josh. Just feel insecure about my weather patterns.